Hello and welcome to the first episode of Connect the Actors. I am your host, Chris, joined as always by my two co-hosts, James and Jackson. How are you both doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. Just a lovely 4th of July here over in Germany. Nothing much is going on. No fireworks, of course, because not America, but you know. It's July 4th over here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, ready to talk about Nazis. Oh, facts. You know, I don't know why in this uh, in this 2021 world where everybody has a podcast now I, and, and everyone's recording online because we're not allowed to touch or open mouth kiss each other anymore. I don't know why I keep <laughs> doing the thing where I say, how are you both doing and expect you to figure out who to answer first. It just doesn't work. So we're going to work on that together. <laughs> but Jackson's right. It's a day of freedom and nothing is more freedomness than punching a Nazi in the fucking face, which is why the movie we are talking about today on our inaugural episode of Connect the Actors, we are talking about the Taika Waititi instant classic, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, sadly. Uh, Jojo Rabbit oh, is a 2019 movie written and directed by Taika Waititi, one of my favorite directors and a fast-growing name in Hollywood, based on the book Caging Skies, which I assume either nobody knows or at least has not read because I certainly have not. It's a bold nope. statement to make about the uh, book basis. I hope it's entirely different. <laughs> so I wanted to get some initial thoughts. Uh, given, you know, we've already chosen the movie for next week, which I do not want to talk about just yet, but it will be a different experience as compared to the last year of the pandemic. So I want to know, how did you guys watch this movie? Before we get into the actual discussion of the movie, what was the viewing experience for you like? What was the setup, James? Um, the first time or the, the current time that I just watched? Now. So this time, it was just on Disney+. Plus. Um, just went downstairs, turned it on like a normal like Netflix kind of stream movie. And yeah, just watched it all in one sitting. Now that's great that uh, region locked Germany has this on Disney Plus. I that's that's strange uh, combination. Uh, I had to buy it off of a uh, Amazon Prime video. Uh, uh, I I actually paid money for this one. We'll see what happens, but yeah, I watched it out in the living room. Okay, so you both watched it like on a big TV in your living room. Yep, sounds yes. smell. Okay, see, I'm I'm a I'm a computer desk headphones on kind of movie watcher. I like to get closer to the action. Um, but boy, do I miss being in a movie theater, which is where I did see this movie initially. And I assume both of you did. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, I saw yeah. it in Art House Cinema. I, I saw it um, in Disney Springs in their giant movie theater they have over there. Recliner seats oh, and like about it. people coming up to you, giving you food. It's great. You know, I think as, as nice of a theater experience as that sounds, I do think that for this movie in particular, the Art House Theater is definitely the way to watch it. I, I don't want to go as far to say that Taika is an auteur director yet, especially now that he is squarely in Disney's pocket. Uh, but he does have a certain kind of charm and flair to his movies when he's not doing superhero movies, at least, that uh, I think lends itself well to the art house style. So, Jackson, I want to hear what, what are some initial thoughts on Jojo Rabbit? What do you think about it? My uh my first impression was wild because uh I knew I tried to go into every single movie not knowing a thing about it. Uh is my personal preference. All I knew about it was this kid was haunted by uh Hitler. Um so coming out of it, it was awesome. It had way more emotional depth than what I was expecting. Um but yeah, th I think I left it not thinking I was ever going to see it again. Okay, so you you weren't like super hot on it. 
it's one of those movies that I was super happy I saw it. I loved it. Uh, it was just one of those I didn't think I'd be revisiting, but I'm glad I did today. That's fair. James, what about you? So for me, I'm not sure you guys had the same experience watching all the trailers, but it was really like set up to be like a kind of very like satire satire um, comedy of like how Nazis were in their youth and stuff like that. So I was going into it thinking it was about to be a um, a movie making fun of Hitler and the Nazi youth and all that stuff. But what you end up getting is like that's only like the first maybe like 10 minutes or so. The rest of it is just this, in what I perceive to be like a major like love story, and I'm just talking about your typical love of boy meets girl. I'm like family love of like meeting, being with your family, and what that really means to actually love one another. Yeah, I gotta admit, I was a little disappointed when I saw the movie initially because all of the trailers and promotional material really focused on the. Uh, the Hitler Youth Boy Scout spoof part of the movie. And almost immediately, um, you know, the, this is this is within the first 15 minutes. I don't think it's that big of a spoiler, but we're going to be talking full spoilers for our movie here. Uh, pretty much immediately, Jojo gets himself blown up with a grenade, and that puts a hard stop to the Boy Scout part of the movie. And then it's something entirely different. So you kind of get hoodwinked going into it. And I'll be honest, I think I would have liked the Boy Scout movie more, not to detract from what we got, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I definitely agree with that, because it's just one of those things where you watch all the previews, and that's what we kind of go in expecting, to kind of get, like, like as you put it, hoodwinked from that was, like, I don't know, I, I feel like not many people are really prepared for that. But can't, I will just say, that scene where he blows himself with the grenade was Fucking priceless. I uh probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie, like funny like comedy wise. Just the, like the timing and everything of it. It was just like shit, boom, and he's just like out. It does feel very slapstick like that. Yeah. So Jackson, you said that you try to go in without seeing as as little as possible. So did you see any trailers beforehand? I saw the YouTube ads and I knew this little kid had Hitler playing with him. And that's pretty much what I knew about the movie. Uh Okay, so you didn't focus on the Boy Scout thing at all. You didn't feel like you were fooled in any way? You know what? I, I did think it was going to be that kind of satire, and I didn't think it'd be that close to the end of the war and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it, it was one of those uh, situations where I, I was set up to be kind of a blank canvas, but most of what I saw in the trailers, if I'm thinking back to the YouTube ads, uh, is it was all that Boy Scout kind of mentality. And I do think it's interesting that in 2019, uh, Taika Waititi was able to do a comedy movie about Nazis and not have it be a direct satire of Nazis. I mean, it's there. There is political context to it. The movie is saying a thing, and it's certainly not supporting a nazi ideology but the the nazi thing is weirdly a backdrop for the boy meets girl story that the movie actually is wrapped inside of the kind of dry comedy that taika does uh and it's 
it's frankly fucking surreal that he was able to pull that style off. Like, did you ever imagine in any way that this would be a kind of movie that got made that was just so, so casually playing with Nazi iconography like it does? Absolutely not. Like, I still, I think that was like kind of the whole shock value of like all the promotional uh, material was that they're literally like Nazis showing the view from the Nazi side of things. And I feel like that layered with the fact that it was going to be a comedy was what really sold a lot of people to come out and see it. And to add on to that is like, it, it almost set itself up in a way that you didn't have to explain any reason why these two would be demonized to each other in each other's eyes at first get out. It, it immediately is apparently, yeah, no, she's a Jew. He's a Nazi. You know, we've gotten past that in the first couple of steps. Nothing else needs to be said about it. The, and then they can start humanizing and building those bonds is almost a way easier way of getting back to that of like, yeah, you know what? You want a mystery movie? Set it in the 80s. No cell phones. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. In fact, you know, uh, not to get too heavy on this podcast about uh, comedy about Nazis, but I, I've been listening to a podcast about uh, essentially the making of the reality TV show Cops and the effect it's had on America. And uh, it was an interesting point that some of the producers brought up about making the show is that, um, you know, they claim they didn't exactly have any intention of uh, more highly profiling uh, black crime. But they did note that, you know, when you're watching a TV screen and you see a white cop chasing a black man, there's already the immediate dichotomy set up that you don't have to explain the audience. That when there is the stark difference between the two, there's no setup. There's no explanation. And it, it is a similar thing going on here where you have the Nazi and the Jew. And it's like, yeah, we get it. Get to the movie. And uh, it makes the movie feel more lean in that way. That you don't have to do that kind of setup and footwork. And, and you have more room for jokes and to explain the actual setup you're going for here. Yeah, it's just an easy ticket to get that point across. You don't have to spend 20 minutes of setting that up. Like, they hate each other, and this is how much they hate each other. It just, bam, here's a get-go, here's a setting, we're good. Especially when the one doing the hating is, like, eight, and so then you can do all the jokes and the satire of what does an eight-year-old Nazi fanatic think about the Jews or the way Nazism works? Yeah, now he's 10, I just, because I remember there was a joke literally where his imaginary Hitler's like, Jojo, you're 10, start acting like it. And I, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> so let's talk actors. Um, obviously, Taika is fantastic as Hitler. And, you know, I, I would bet either one of two things happened. Either he wrote this movie and he said, I want to be Hitler because Taika is in all of the works he directs, I want to say. Uh, or he thought, nobody's going to want to play Hitler, so I'll do it myself. <laughs> and uh, I love the idea of both. And uh, he fucking kills it, frankly. Like, he's he's still Taika. Like, his German accent isn't great. The New Zealand is still coming through. But uh, he's, a lot of, he's a lot of fun. I do like that they kind of dropped. Like, I don't know if you guys noticed as much. There wasn't too many German accents in the second half of the movie. Probably except for Rebel Reb Wilson is pretty much everyone was just talking in their normal accent. There's a lot of British kids, which <laughs> it makes it easier for an American audience to say, yeah, no, they're, they're foreign. So it, sure, it's that accent. 
which is actually like what they do for like old Roman stuff is they get a bunch of British people to play them. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to point out with the actors, and I sent you something in the uh, Discord that we have, is uh, two of them, the clones from the very throwaway scene, are Gilby and Hardy Griffin Davis. Um, okay. They're twins. They are the younger brothers of the main actor, Roman Griffin Davis. They all have the same middle and last name, which was wild to me to see, but they actually got two different characters to play clones. That's very funny. Uh, Did you catch that at the end? um, Was it Rebel Wilson gives a grenade to one of the clones (laughs) and tells it, go hug that American. Oh, yeah. That (laughs) killed me. Um, Just to go a little bit further into their ancestry, uh, they are the son of cinematographer Ben Davis, who's worked on things like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange. Good cinematographer! <laughs> yeah, they're a whole Hollywood family, huh? I, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah, it was just a very throwaway line to have a bunch of clones in a corner. Very, <laughs> very funny Nazi things. <laughs> uh, but probably my favorite performance in the whole movie, I don't know about you guys, but Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. as Captain K uh honestly stole the show for me every scene he was in i love me some sam rockwell i don't disagree with that but i feel like my pick was um scarlett johansson just the way she was like i don't know just the chemistry she made between her and um jojo was just so motherly and so loving it really made it that much more like heart-wrenching when you see her on the um being hung and stuff like that yeah, didn't uh, didn't everyone walk away from this movie thinking, man, I wish Scarlett Johansson was my mom? Yes! Oh my god, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, because I was thinking it. Uh, James brought up a fun scene of uh, the little boy's mom being hanged in front of him. Um, I don't know if you guys uh-huh, actually uh-huh. noticed it on second viewing, is there's a scene that's probably 20 minutes before that of when she's like dancing on the uh, brick wall. Uh, mm-hmm. And she's talking about like, oh man, we got to dance because we're happy and stuff like that. Um, he's at the same; it's the same uh, sight line to her shoes as when she's just hanging there. Uh, it's directly supposed to be like, uh, oh yeah, this is good. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, God. and uh, that that was also something I want to talk about where the the movie has a certain kind of visual style that. Uh, you know, Taika already brings his own kind of flair to a movie, but Taika shines a lot in the writing and the way the jokes are delivered. I, I, I have never considered Taika to be a very visual filmmaker in the same way that Wes Anderson might be. Mm-hmm. But this movie in particular isn't just shot through the eyes of a child, but it's almost... Like, it, it feels very close to the line of being a kid's movie or being presented like a children's storybook where all the colors are very poppy, uh, everything's a little flat, uh, all the, like, the, the mom character is less mature than her son but also that fixation on her shoes, which is not just in that scene. There's actually a couple of scenes where 
Jojo is at the same height as her feet, and she's wearing those shoes. Okay. But the movie is priming you with this like very in-your-face imagery that feels like it's presented like a kid's movie. Did you guys feel that at all? Am I crazy? Um, The second time through, it was definitely more apparent that it was focusing on her shoes. Because it's one of those things, I guess, the first time through, I never really like took notice. And then, I don't know, the sec- first time I saw her shoes, the second time around, I immediately thought of that scene of her being hung up. And it's just like, oh, you you saw this coming. Like, oh, no, I don't like this at all now. Just every time <laughs> you see the shoes, you're just kind of triggered. Yeah, and it, it, I, I think I did notice it a little late in the game, but uh, that was just the first time I noticed it. Uh, but yeah, no, that that blocking showing up is kind of impactful on the second viewing of just like, oh, shit. Yeah, and I think even if you're not cognizant of it, you know, when they show ScarJo on the gallows, they never actually show her. It's only her shoes, and it's not that the movie wants to shy away from it because early on in the movie, there's the establishing shot of several people being hanged. Uh, so the, the the movie definitely doesn't shy away from showing a body, and I, I doubt that they just didn't want to show Scarlett Johansson in that scenario. It was a deliberate visual choice to only show the shoes and let the audience make their own conclusions from that. And it's a very powerful scene, the kind of thing that you don't expect to get going into this movie. Kind of going further into that, like going to what you were saying earlier, like it's kind of, it's from JoJo's point of view. You are led into the scene thinking, you know, he's kind of like happy, kind of like happy-go-lucky. Like he's thinking about the his new Jew friend. He's out on the sidewalk looking at a butterfly like, oh, that's cute. Then he comes up and the it just kind of like immediately cuts to the shoes hanging there. And you as an audience member are making the same like logical like thoughts and like steps in the process of realizing that's his mom up there. At the same time, JoJo is, and I feel like it hits that much harder. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and and it's that kind of level of tragedy next to the comedy that I feel like in the future, this could be the kind of movie that we look at to examine how comedy as a genre has evolved since, like, I don't know, the year 2007, where... Last episode, you know, our prologue episode, I had said to James that I feel like The Hangover is one of the last great comedies. And that's not because movies stopped being funny, but it feels like, unless they're a trashy movie, like Grown Ups or Grown Ups 2 or anything Adam Sandler does that isn't Uncut Gems, <laughs> uh, there aren't really good comedies anymore because all the good comedy writers are doing things that infuse comedy into them. Like, every movie is funny where you have Han Solo telling deadpan jokes in Star Wars, and even here where we have Taika that is ostensibly a comedy writer. This movie doesn't have, like, a lot of laugh-out-loud moments in the same way that The Hangover does because it's also telling a story that is in its own way very impactful and has these deep moments. So are we, my question to you is, are we in a post-genre movie world where we just can't have a good comedy anymore? Jackson, what do you think? I think, uh, personally, it, it's kind of evolved. Uh, you can see comedy kind of turn away from being a standalone genre of your spoof movies and all that. Um, 
and turn into more of a, you know, there's comedic satire, there's comedic action movies, there's comedic something else movies. They don't just rely on comedy and comedy alone for comedy's sake. Is I mean, one to point to is uh, Deadpool is, that's a funny movie in general. It, it feels like a comedy the whole way through, but it's got all the blood, guts, and action you'd want in it from an action movie. Uh, so I think the genre has kind of evolved away from being a, it's just this. It's turned into rom-com, sitcom, comedy action. Yeah, whatever kind of calm you call this. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, that's actually a really interesting question, because now the more I think of it, the more I realize that, like, kind of what we were saying, comedy has really been intertwined with most, like, good, like, action films, period. So you really are, like, I. it's kind of like this thing where comedy used to feel like this, like, kind of like slapstick humor audience, but I feel like either the audience has kind of changed to where you can't get away with the same kind of jokes, or at the same time, people aren't really looking for that kind of, like, I don't know, levels of comedy. They want a little bit more with their laughter, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are working comedic actors today that when they when they are given the chance to do their own thing, they will take other roles, you know, like let's look at John Krasinski built his fame playing a character on a sitcom in The Office. And then one of his like his first high profile uh, solo work was writing and acting in the horror movie A Quiet Place. Uh, Jordan Peele started on the sketch comedy show Key and Peele, and once he breaks out of that, now he's a director exclusively doing horror movies. Isn't that a weird trajectory? Yeah. Hear me out. Hot take. Maybe it's because comedies are a lot more forgivable than these other impactful movies that you see on, like, Netflix that are coming out. Like, when was the last time you see Netflix come out with, like, a pure comedy movie? Uh, Man, if there's anything I don't keep up with (laughs) on Netflix, it's the movies they release. That's fair. (laughs) I'm definitely more in the Netflix TV show kind of universe. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm going to go ahead and Google their comedies. Uh, Right now, off the top, I see nothing from past 2010 is accepted. Legally Blonde, Hot Rod, Austin Powers, Superbad, and Tenacious D. Yeah, and see, I know all of those movies, and all of those are older movies. Yeah. At least, you know, older being 10 years ago, depending on how you want to gauge older. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything really new. The Terminal is wild as a uh, comedy movie, but okay. (laughs) So as far as working in Hollywood... Taika is still a fairly new director. Like, he doesn't even have a decade of high-profile works under his belt. Uh, and he was thrust into the spotlight for directing Thor Ragnarok. Um, besides Thor and Jojo Rabbit, have you guys seen any of his other works? Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, okay. I would like to say that he did do Green Lantern. Uh, but I've I've also loved the What We Do in the Shadows series being both the the show and the movie. It was just fantastic. What wait, what Green Lantern? What? 
I'm, I I looked it up. I I'm just clicked on him. It says Green Lantern. I'm trying to dig more into it to figure out what the hell happened there. But uh, I'm on I'm on his Wikipedia page and I don't see Green Lantern listed. Is Google hoodwinking you? Uh, it might be. Uh, I I don't know how to get to Taika Waititi's name apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh so have you seen the We'll Be Doing the Shadows movie then? Yeah, but I saw it after I watched. The, at this point, I think the first two seasons of the show are out, um, mm-hmm. and that's been a, a phenomenal series. And that was apparently a short that started in 2005, and then he made a movie, and then he made a show. Yeah, yeah, it was a short film first, and then they turned it into a full-length movie. Which So, James, if you want some like pure Taika, uh, what we do in the shadows is a very funny movie. Uh, and it's also not that long, um, but I love Taika. He's uh, he's fantastic, and I am super excited to see everything else he does because he's great on and behind the camera. So let's get into some quick hits here that I want to go down. So we talked a little bit about a little bit about it. Uh, James, who do you think had the best performance in the movie? Who did you like the most? That's you honestly said, like I say straight the bat, Scarlett Johansson. But that also might be because I have a crush on her and I want her to be my mom. But honestly, <laughs> a, weird, um, a weird mix of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Captain K uh, was insanely good. Um, Jojo Rabbit and um, the girl, I forgot what her name was. Um, actually, did she actually have a name other than the Elsa. dead sister? Elsa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, honestly, just. I'm a huge fan of, like, good chemistry and, like, way people, like, interact and talk to each other. And I just feel like this movie was filled with it. And just absolutely, like, everything just felt natural and, like, genuine. And I just loved every single piece of it. But if I had to choose one person that I was like, this is my favorite person, definitely Scarlett Johansson. Okay, Jackson, what about you? Um, So I think the best that had just a weird swing and... he starred great in the movie or uh you know not starred but co-starred in the movie steven merchant uh before we watched this movie i said i don't really know what steven merchant looks like and after seeing him (laughs) in his scene uh i i had to google him uh to figure out who it exactly was you guys remember tall nazi yes hey how how tall do you think steven merchant is in real life six five six seven Jesus Christ. I was like, I want to know, A, did they actually like put him on some like weird platform to stilts, or is he that tall and that funny in general? But that scene in general was probably one of the, A, most tense on the first viewing, and B, just the funniest of like, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler. Let's not take those <laughs> out of context. Um, uh, it just goes on for like five minutes of that, but I think Sam Rockwell probably had one of my favorite performances of the movie. Okay, so quick detour then, because I want to talk about Stephen Merchant and his <laughs> scene with the other Nazis. Um, it definitely wasn't because it was Stephen Merchant, but am I the only one that when those Nazis in their suits came into the house, I thought... Are those the same Nazis from Indiana Jones? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can definitely see that. Every because like, like beyond stop. the clothes, 
Stephen Merchant looked a lot like the main Nazi from Indiana Jones. And I feel like that had to be intentional. Oh. I mean, I guess that's kind of like the standard Gustavo uh, look. Gustavo. I guess so, yeah. But like even him with his glasses and the the clean cut, I don't know. It it was it was evoking imagery for me. Um, obviously, I agree with Jackson that uh, Sam Rockwell was my favorite for the movie. Uh, but what'd you guys think about Rebel Wilson? It was phenomenal casting. She did great with it. I enjoyed her commitment to the accent the whole time, and just the kind of like total nationalist support of it was hilarious to see in this context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I just I can't stop thinking about how she was like telling the all the little girl Nazis that she's given birth to like eighteen kids, and then she just does this like hand motion of like a slip and slide. Yeah, I I feel like Rebel Wilson is unfairly colored by her appearance in Pitch Perfect because people just unconditionally hate Pitch Perfect, but she is very good in this movie, and I think she's very funny. Uh, but also I think honestly my favorite comedic performance is uh archie yates who is uh jojo's child friend yorkie in the movie yeah yorkie <laughs> uh he had some of the funniest delivery and i feel like from his perspective the ability to deliver taika's deadpan writing it really shined with archie uh near the end of the movie one of the lines that like that literally got a laugh out loud response was jojo's walking around the town and it's starting to get torn apart by the war. And Jojo's like, what's happening? And, and, and Yorkie goes, the Russians, Jojo, they're coming. <laughs> Something about that destroyed me. <laughs> they, they're worse than Jews. They, they fuck dogs. <laughs> and then after the fact, when things are calming down, and it's like the epilogue, and he says, it seems like I can never die. <laughs> <laughs> also, just him sitting in that, like, white beater and the the <laughs> slacks that he has on it's just like man he's seen some shit today yeah and then, of course there's a scene where he drops the rocket to say hi to jojo and just shoots and blows up a building <laughs> and all that kind of lends itself to the kind of storybook thing i was going with earlier where characters like yorkie and captain k just keep showing up despite the fact that there are different things happening in their life that like Captain K keeps getting demoted or Yorkie is going through the ranks of the German military. So they're just always happening to be where Jojo is in that way that they are not people living lives, but recurring characters in Jojo's story, you know? <laughs> and, and to call that out with the, it seems like I can never die. Very funny. Uh, a quick aside about Archie Yates. He's going to be in the new Home Alone reboot on uh, Disney's uh, Disney Plus. He's not going to be playing Kevin, but another standalone character. Gross, but good for him. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think the best moment in the movie was? James? Oh, come back to me. Like, let Jackson go first on this one. I need to think. Jackson, do you have something? So, especially at the end, uh, Sega Watiti just going on about uh, like, after Hitler kills himself, he's just in there ranting in front of this kid it's just like okay well uh this is, this is what we're doing now that was probably the best rant or the one directly before that where he just channels it yeah the uh 
<laughs> the performance I affectionately refer to in my notes as Final Hitler. <laughs> well, yeah, the makeup is really good that he's like tattered and he has the, the pistol wound in his head. And and yeah, Taika really going for it, yelling at this small child. It is a it's a very good and and still somehow very funny scene. Uh, it's just a, an amazing one. Scene. Yeah, I'm still trying to think. Like, I, I think hands down the funniest scene was the grenade. That one still cracks me up. But um, honestly, I think one of the most powerful scenes was right after the gulag scene, or not the gulag, um, gallo scene, where you see the shoes. Uh, Jojo goes to go and stab um Elsa, and like the range of emotion and like how powerful it was to come from what like I think they're like ten and twelve years old was just like insane to me. I'm like, wow, that was that was fucking raw. Like, I don't know. There was just everything. There was anger, like the stress, just sadness and acceptance, all in like one there, and it was just insane how those two just like completely like play that off mm-hmm. i think for me it was probably every bit where the war has come home and jojo's town is getting torn apart uh i love movies where things just happen around the main character <laughs> yes and as much as jojo wanted to be part of the military that's not his story and so then when the war comes home He's still not really part of it. He's just walking through the streets almost like nothing's happening while everyone is fighting and dying around him. Yes. Uh, I loved the dichotomy there. There's literally a scene where there's like troops gathering on the ground going prone, getting ready to snipe the incoming American around his corner. And he's there having a dialogue with Gorky about like how his girlfriend is a Jew and he's worried about it. Mm-hmm. So I loved all of that. Uh, do you have a favorite line from the movie, especially in a comedy? Uh, I got to imagine there was something that must have stuck out. For me, like I said, it was it was Yorkie saying the Russians Jojo, they're coming. Such a throwaway line, but it killed me. Oh, man, that's another hard question because there's so many good lines. Um, Jackson, what about you? Oh, God. Uh. I, I don't have a good enough memory right now off the top <laughs> okay. of my head. Well, let's 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 rewind that back then. Since it's a comedy, what was your favorite bit? Sebor said again that grenade scene. The timing was too <laughs> perfect. Just the way, like even um, Hitler's like face, like this, like it slowed motion and like it wasn't it wasn't stop. No, it was just slow motion. But you kept on seeing Hitler's face of these goofy faces of just like, woo, we're doing it. And Jojo's like, yeah, throws a grenade, gets a tree, bounces, shit. And then a quick, like, pan out, plop, there, there goes Jojo, just blown up by a fucking grenade. Uh, I think mine was just seeing those recurring RPG grandmas. It, you know, that, that was just a very real part of the war is, like, everyone has to defend their home at this point. But, like, just RPG grandmas and like the Girl Scout in with an SMG was just wild. <laughs> okay. Oh, so then who do you think won the movie? Who had the best outing here? It feels wrong to say Taika. I Why? I think you know, it's one of those of like he he directed it, he wrote it, I think. Or adapted, I should say. And he he kind of took on one of the most diverse roles in it. 
and it almost seems self-serving, but uh, you know, I I think Tiger's performance is great. Uh, I I think he performed it great with such enthusiasm, uh, despite being Hitler. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, I I think he did wonderful. Okay, so if you if you think it's unfair to say Tyke is there somebody else that you think is a good runner for it? Uh, I liked the guy, dichotomy between Sam Rockwell and Alfie Allen. Uh, that that okay. was just a lot of fun to watch. That's fair to to package those two together. <laughs> James, it was it was a city where they were gay, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, I think I might have to give it to Sam Rockwell as well. As much as I love Scarlett Johansson, there is just something. Uh, just a bit more with uh, Sam Rockwell from like start to finish where he's kind of like this guy who's just fed up and done with the war. Then he has a scene where he doesn't give up Elsa. Um, and then at the very end, he sacrifices his life for Jojo. And I think that kind of an arc, I gives him my, like, you won. <laughs> like, my best, my best pick. Okay. Uh, I think I am going to give the win to Taika as well, if only because for making such a unique movie, uh, I I am almost afraid that this could be the last, I, I don't want to say truly original since it's still based on a book, but it feels like the last original outing for Taika before he's going to get locked into the Disney machine because he's doing the next Thor movie. And probably if there are others, they will keep him on for Thor. Um, he write he has written episodes for The Mandalorian. I'm pretty sure he's got a Star Wars movie in the works. Um, to go from what we do in the shadows to Thor, and then put out a comedy Nazi movie. Um, what a move! Wow. <laughs> and then to play and kill it as the Fuhrer. Uh, big big balls on my man Taika. I love him to death. Yeah, uh, just real quick, uh, upcoming for him is he just wrapped up another season. Looks like it's probably three seasons of the show called Wellington Paranormal, which I'm probably going to check out after this. He's got more coming of what we do in the shadows. I think they've finished filming this fall. Um, or maybe those episodes are already out. I don't think they are. Uh, he has Love and Thunder, which is coming out in 22 next year uh we've got untitled taika watiti star wars film coming out in 25 we have a flash gordon movie time bandits which is a tv series and we are wolves oh yeah which i believe the uh we are wolves is actually going to be a direct spin-off of what we do in the shadows okay um much like wellington paranormal is although i think he is only an executive producer on wellington paranormal yeah it looks like he's just the creator and that's the main for credit here. I, I I clicked on his writing goals. So then before we close it out, did you have any nitpicks for the movie, James? Um, I feel like my only nitpick really is kind of the promotional material, but I all this, at the same time, I'm kind of glad I had the misdirect, but I feel like I would have, I don't know, enjoyed the first viewing a little bit more knowing it wasn't going to be this satire comedy about nazis and boy scouts like i don't know it was something about that misdirect that kind of made me feel a little let down i guess the first time around but watching the second time i absolutely love the movie 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think I agree with that. Um, upon first viewing, it was a little hard to let go of the idea of, oh, that's not the movie I'm watching. But then going in the second time was like, okay, so this is the movie I'm watching. Jackson, how about you? Uh, my biggest uh, nitpick right now is the the critical scores for it. Uh, we have a 7.9 on IMDb, an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Those are both, you know, I, I can get behind it. Uh, Metacritic is a 58%. Oof. Um, that's wrong and from our conversation it sounds like we're in the 93% that like this movie from Google users um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a very well done movie um, the only thing I would change is uh, it, it's wild that she just came over and hugged him after being stabbed in the shoulder uh, <laughs> but you know it was a hard day <laughs> look kids be crazy well it was just one of those things where I think she instantly realized what went down and it was like felt really bad yeah and that's why that scene was like my favorite because there's there's so much that went on without a single word spoken did the scarlett johansson performance always work for you i initially Um, thought she was an older sister when she first came out just because I think she didn't come out in the maternal role. It was just kind of like, okay, she's definitely family, but uh, I wasn't sure what age she was supposed to play. Uh, but it immediately became very clear. Uh, but that that's my opinions on that. The, the, the dad scene was a bit <laughs> rough for me. Because, I don't know, I guess I like... It was kind of like going along the lines of being kind of light, hard, and fun. Then JoJo starts becoming a complete dick, and then she just snaps at him. Then it goes back to kind of like being kind of like this little funny act and a little, little funny bit. It just it felt like the pacing was a little bit off. Like it was trying to be like dramatic, hard, but lighthearted, lighthearted at the same time. Like I don't know, it just kind of threw me through a loop. But overall, I still like loved her performance all the way through. Yeah, I am an amateur cinephile at best, and uh, I'm not going to pretend to be able to do an educated, in-depth analysis of a movie. And and so I don't know if it was supposed to be on purpose, but her performance always felt a little disconnected from everything else in a way that was kind of distracting for me. Where Scarlett Johansson herself was great, and she delivered the lines really well, and I could feel the love between um, her and her son, uh, the characters, not the actors. Um, But the writing itself was kind of like, didn't always make sense that that was the response you would have. And I don't know if it was supposed to be intentionally she is separate from everything happening. Uh, because the, the lines never seem to have much symbolism to them to drive the wedge apart between her and the world around her, but obviously she was different from the world around her. So if, you know, if Taika came to me and said, yes, that was absolutely intentional, then I'd be like, okay, cool, great job. But on my own viewing without like super paying attention to it, it felt weird to me. And that's, that's probably my only nitpick. Well, so... My only comment on that is that she was disconnected from the world. You were seeing from JoJo's like perspective and point of view of being like, like super into being a Nazi and stuff like that, and then you have her acting really suspicious and just like 
having her own little thing of like I'm guessing like a spy game going on. And that's what she ends up getting caught for. But it never actually shows really her side. You just see the little perspective of Jojo. And the whole point is you don't really know what's going on because Jojo never knew what was going on until it was too late. So as we close out, uh, how about uh, let's, do, let's do some ratings. Uh, James, out of 10. Oof. Uh, mm. Can we do, are we doing like 0.5s or just solid like numbers? Yeah, we can do 0.5s. 7.5. Like, I kind of want to give it more. But, like, at the same time, it wasn't, like, there wasn't anything, like, crazy and challenging other than Takiwai playing Hitler. Like, overall, well, really, I think it was... You really, just... you really did my boy dirty with his name there. <laughs> Sorry. Did you but... say Taika Whitey? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, just overall, like, the movie was good. And, like, I anything above a 7, I say I love the movie. Um, so... A solid 7.5, if not an 8. Okay, Jackson? I think it's a solid 9. I think, uh, I don't know who I would not recommend this movie to to see at least once. Um, it, it was pretty fun. It left it a little empty at some points, but, you know, it, it had all the ups and downs roller coaster of a good movie. So I, I think it's a 9. And I think James is a Metacritic shill. <laughs> well i think i'm actually gonna sit with james on the 7.5 oh my god uh <laughs> i i do like the movie a lot but uh i probably would never have watched it again or felt any need to if we weren't doing it for this podcast um if i want to watch a taika movie i think almost all of his other works are still better than this for me and that's not to say this movie is bad. No, because it's not a bad movie. In no. fact, it's yeah. it's very close to being an 8 out of 10 for me. But I, I think it's more comfortably at 7.5. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think I can get behind all your reasons. I, it, and that's exactly where I left my first viewing is, that was a great movie. I don't know if I'll ever see it again. But you feel like you liked it more upon the second viewing? You know what? I think I did. I've had a little bit more fun. And, uh, you know, we... I haven't gone to see a movie in theaters in a while, so <laughs> maybe that experience would change it. Could be. So do you guys have any final thoughts on the movie? Anything else you want to get across that we didn't touch on? Um, I feel like sometimes, no, not even that. I was going to say the pacing was kind of off, but like the pacing kind of made sense for how things were going in certain parts of the movie. Okay, Jackson, do you have anything? Uh, no, I'm just going to enjoy chewing my grapes for dinner. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that being the case, uh, I think we'll go ahead and close out this episode. Uh, we have already decided on our next movie. Um, we don't have exactly a system in place for how we want to choose going forward, but uh, we are definitely trying to drive some listeners so we chose this movie with the intention of having our first connecting thread being scarlett johansson so that next week we can talk about the first marvel movie in phase five and what will be my return to the cinemas after the covid19 pandemic and we are going to be talking about black widow is it phase five or phase four 
Uh, it might be Phase Four. Actually, I could be fucked up. I think I think you're right. Phase Four. First movie, Phase Four. Let's go. Was Woo! Far From Home <laughs> Phase Four? No, it was it was the last movie of Phase Three. Okay, now, this is all the confusion you can look forward to in every single Marvel episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so before we close out, are you guys excited to see Black Widow? Or are you happy to be back with Marvel? I'm very excited, and I remember seeing there's going to be like what three Marvel movies coming out this year, and it's just like, uh, finally, I I need actually I think there's four still. Oh my god, but yeah, like it's been nice having the shows, and I've been absolutely loving the shows, but I miss going out to the theaters and watching a Marvel film because that was like literally my routine every summer. Like wherever the Marvel film was coming out, I had to go see it in theaters. It was felt it felt so empty at their end game, like not having really anything. Spider Man, like was it Far From Home? Was good and all, but still it just didn't satisfy the itch. And then after that it was just nothing. Uh I'm personally really excited for this movie because it looks kind of star studded. Uh Scarjo, uh Florence Poe, I think Puh. Huge Pew. Pew? Okay. Uh, he, she ha- came off of, uh, Midsommar, which is great. Rachel Weiss, uh, she was, of course, in Constantine, everyone's favorite movie. David Harbour, uh, f- felt like he didn't do anything before 2014. Um, so we are here to see a bunch of, uh, newer, large names. Yeah, and I imagine we'll have a lot of conversation about the larger Marvel Universe when we get to that point. Uh, but for now... Boy, am I just excited to go back to a theater. Same. So, uh, with that being said, uh, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. And if you are listening literally anywhere else, tell a friend and get us inside their ears. Spread the word. I don't know if we're ever going to have a Twitter for this show. I don't know if we'll need it. Um, So I don't have a Twitter to plug for now. Uh, But when we do, you'll be the first to know. So spread us around, and we will see you next week for Black Widow.